When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAG is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAG, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Sunderland won yesterday 1-0 in probably the most boring 1-0 win I have ever seen us play, but it's a win, it's three points. We are further up the table and we are breathing down the top two, down the next of the top two. No, said that wrong. Always nag up the introduction. Anyway, to dissect this, we have Alex McCain, who's here to talk all things Sunderland. How are you, Alex? Howdy, I'm good. Good stuff. Johnny Goldsmith as well, not locked yes. in the toilet. No, I'm here in the studio today, uh, so by that stand, by that I'm better uh, than I was last time. Yeah. You make sure you pee before you... Yes, and also yeah. don't use the disabled toilet, Yeah, for whatever reason. They fix it now, though. Yes, they have, and I'm never using it again, though. Yeah. I don't care if they fix you got, it. you got like a, a complex about all disabled toilets now. So, yeah, just avoid disabled toilets at all costs. Okay. You were the martyr for the fixing of that toilet, Johnny. It, it took someone to have to get locked in there to fix it, clearly, and yes. you've taken that bulletin, yeah. so yes. more power to you. <laughs> we also have a special guest to the Lake Port, Martin Longstaff. How are you? I'm all right, how are you? You're the only one who's asked. I'm, I'm very good. Nice one, man. Um, nice to be here, thank you. We're going we're gonna to talk to you about, you know, kind of Netflix and your life as a musician. We'll do that, though, towards the end. Sounds. But initially, I want to talk about the nitty-gritty of yesterday. So, starting 11, Sunderland lined up McLaughlin, Adam Matthews, Jimmy Dunn, Tom Flanagan, Rhys James. Midfield was led a bit of power. Then we had McGeady, Honeyman, Lewis Morgan, and Charlie Wyke as the front four. It was a terrible first half, nothing really happened. Second half, Sunderland took the lead through an Ada McGeady screamer from a Grant-led bit of pass. Uh, probably defensively poor from a Wimbledon perspective, but from Sunderland's perspective, it was a brilliant goal. And really, that pretty much sums up mm. the game. McLaughlin made a few good saves as well, probably my man in the match. But uh, Martin, I want to ask you, what was your general thoughts on the 90 minutes yesterday? Well, I was quite miserable, obviously, in the first half. I was following it on Twitter because I was at work. And uh, I was just, obviously, second half, extremely relieved when we scored. I was texting my mates saying, what's the crack? Some of them were at a match, you know what I mean? It's bad reception at the stadium, but getting messages every now and again. And yeah, they were just down in the mouth as well. So when Ledbetter put that pass in, finally got us, you know, the goal we were waiting for. I was genuinely buzzing. But 
because I'm a Southern fan, I was skitting out as well because I was expecting us to have a draw again. Naturally. John McLaughlin did have to save us moments after that goal mm. uh, with a brilliant save. But Alex, what was your view? I thought it was a, thought it was a pretty uh, drab game overall. I don't think either team was particularly impressive. That's not to say I thought that we were bad by any stretch, which I think a lot of people seem to think, but... No, I, th- I think Sunderland were, were were quite were quite mundane, but I don't think they were particularly bad in any aspect. I think um, AFC Wimbledon played quite well for a team in their league position. You know, they didn't seem like a team bottom of the league. I think the you know that they, they held their own, and it, it it ultimately took a screamer to separate them. But um, all in all, yeah, I'd say just quite a you know, like quite a boring game that was decided by the team which had the most quality, which thankfully is us, Johnny. I- I want to ask you, did we deserve to win that game? Because from my perspective, I, on the balance of play, I thought maybe we were a bit lucky. Um, I don't know if we deserve to win. Uh, and it's it's those kind of, that's why it was such a poor game. I guess if it was a good game, we'd probably say we deserve to win. But we, from what I've seen, uh, no, I mean, I look at some of the chances Wimbledon had, maybe they should have been ahead very early on. You know, that chance, uh, McLaughlin obviously made that brilliant save from that halfway line shot like. Um, any other keeper that probably would have gone in. Um, and I think there was this chance in the second half where the Wimbledon players went through all the Sunderland players, had a shot at goal, and obviously it was a terrible shot, which if it was a better striker, probably would have gone in. Um, they had, what I seem to think, more chances, or better chances at least. Um, you know, there was a handball shout, I believe, at some point, which uh, I think it wasn't a handball, but no. I don't think Sunderland deserved to win yesterday, but uh, we got the win, and that's all that matters. And, and Martin, I want to ask you about set pieces because we dissect set pieces every week and how terrible we are at defending them and terrible at taking them and we never seem to score from them. What's your view on the set pieces? Do you think we we need to be doing more from them? Do you think there's an issue there in the training ground? I mean, who's at fault? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, when you've got a set piece, you, you're obviously on the front foot. You've got the you've got the advantage. We should be scoring more set pieces. We should be taking better free kicks, scoring headers from corners. Obviously, I haven't seen many penalties this season, particularly. But when you don't score those things, you're just chucking a chance away. So you really should be working on those in the training ground. When I used to play football, um, it was only Russell Foster League type of thing, but we'd always drill the set pieces because, like I said, you're always, you've got that advantage. You have to press the advantage when you're in that position. Yesterday, uh, again, looked poor from set pieces. Nearly conceded it a couple of times. You know, Wimbledon, a bit ways fell in front of goal from there. So still looks like even with the addition of Jimmy Dunn that, we are struggling in that department. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I just think in general with set pieces, I just think there's something just, I, I really can't put my finger on it. I, I don't know. I mean, I was thinking that if, if we added someone like Jimmy Dunn to the team, you know, some, you know, like another, well, uh, a big physical player to give a target for whoever's taking the cross, I, th- I thought that would be enough. Uh, evidently, it doesn't seem to be the case. I, I really don't know. Is it, I think the issue is, I suppose, is just the delivery. It's beating the first man. It's it's as we were saying earlier, Connor. It's getting it. It's getting it past the post. I just think, I just think it's not coming off really. I think we're trying a lot of different things, but ultimately we're we're, we're undone by the fact that a very basic aspect of taking cross isn't uh, isn't like embedded in the team. And I think that's for me the the underlying issue. And it, I don't know. I think that's just that, that's just all it is. I, I think I'm looking for a more a more sort of like convoluted or more sort of like deep answer, but really it just comes to that. I think, think, that, I think they just need to beat the first man. Could <laughs> a, lot of it, a lot of it be psychological in the sense that we know 
they'll see the stats. They'll know that they've not really scored from set pieces and they'll know they've conceded most of their goals from set pieces. I think now it's in the players' heads. Oh, perhaps. When, when there's a set piece, yeah, either maybe. attacking or defensively, mm-hmm. do you think the players are thinking, oh God, there's a chance we could concede or, or this won't beat the front post? Do you think it could be that? I think, yeah, I think it maybe it is a mentality thing. We've always been poor at set pieces and uh, the fans obviously have been through that the whole time. So different players, but the same fans. So we all know that Sunderland have never been good at set pieces. So I guess the the supporters may always be on edge when there's a, a corner, especially if we concede a corner. We can't defend them, let alone score from them. Um, so I think it is a mentality thing. I think, yeah, definitely. Um, I've, I don't know, maybe it's just the league quality. I don't know if many players, if many teams score from set pieces in this league. But Well, they do against Sunderland. Against Sunderland, yeah, of course. <laughs> everyone does that, but apart from us. It's a set piece league, though. Like yeah. the League One, League Two, the leagues where teams are built on strong yeah. set pieces, and mm. that's where you know they try and keep the games very tight. But if they get a corner, they're trying to. You know, that's where they're going to yeah. get goals. And I think for a lot of teams in divisions like League One and League Two, where the, the general levels of quality are quite low, they probably depend on sort of clear cut opportunities like set pieces to take a corner and knock it in. I think a lot of teams, dare I say might struggle to just put together good goals from open play just purely because they don't have the players in in their arsenal to you know to put a nice string of passes together and have a good finisher. I think a lot of teams will probably benefit from just having a, a big, you know, a, a you know a, a, a fairly poor but six foot four, fifteen stone target man to just leap up and just knock a free kick in or a corner. I think that's probably where a lot of teams are going to see their benefit in this league. That's what I mean, though. Like you know, I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah, I don't. I'm not bothered about having Maradona or Messi on no. the team. I just want. I want us to score. Yeah, when we've got the advantage. Yeah, yeah. not uh, not every single goal that we score needs to be a, a, a McGeady screamer that no. you, that you know that raises everyone off the seats out of nowhere. If if we have just like the odd, you know, if 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 two and every three goals. Are just uh, you know, are just a glanced header from three yards out. That's that's totally fine. You know, you, think, you're getting uh, promoted regardless. Exactly, I'm not bothered that, yeah. that much. Just yeah. score. I think it's a, in, in that sense, it's a relief that we kept someone like McGeady because he has the ability to do that. Um, you know, he, he seems to be fairly poor for most of the time, but then he just has that moment of brilliance there, and that's enough to at least get a goal. And um, against Bradford, it was the same thing. He was the one who scored the only goal that game, um, and he has that sort of quality about him. We just don't see it enough. I mean, you, you might be a little bit too young to remember. I'm not really sure, but this is the problem the Mags faced around about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. They were seventh in the table and they were doing relatively well for a northeastern team in the Premier League and they were all kicking off because they weren't playing like Barcelona level football. Mm. Like, we can't fall into that trap of thinking we need to have world-class players who can skin everybody and that's disappointing if they don't. We just need to knock the course in. Yeah. Do you think that's a, a Premier League mentality? Do you think because in the Premier League you have to basically play a brilliant 90 minutes to win a game, yep. do you think the fans now are like, well, this can't be sustained. We can't play well for 20 minutes and win because that's not how it's done. But do you think we need to change the way we think about this level? Possibly. I mean, just speaking from personal experience, what me and my mates want to see we know what league we're in, we know the quality of the teams, we just want to see people who are given 100%, 110%, just showing a bit of effort and a bit of passion. I think that's good enough at this particular level. And if we're winning, of course, that's tremendous. But even if we're getting a draw, or even if we're, you know, heaven forbid, lose, as long as somebody's really, really grafted, we're, we're sort of pleased, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. But it's like, the players might be given them what they're all, they're just not very good. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the problem. Is like, so if we lose, people will say they're not trying. 
And if we win, it's like, oh, they'll put 110% in. It's like, well, they might have tried. They're just not very good. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. I, th- I think it's just mentality as well. You want to see the players yeah. have the certain mentality mm. at the end of the match. Like, you know, not head down, not having a hissy fit, spitting a dummy out type of mentality. Mm. You mm. want to have that, sorry, and I'll do better next time mentality. Yeah, as, as long as the outcome is dignified, you can never walk away too dissatisfied. Yeah. I mean, unless you've been absolutely battered, but you know, I don't think I don't, you know, like touch wood. I don't think we're going to get battered in this league Fingers at any point. Now. I mean, you know, not not to any horrendous standard, but no, I think that's probably it. I mean, I remember the the two two Peterborough. I came away just feeling just quite sickened by the whole thing because the game turned on Oviedo just kicking a player and knocking <laughs> him over. And you just look and you just think, what are you doing? You know, you're a, it's pointless, isn't it? You know, I mean, I really rate him as a player, but I mean, I, I was there thinking, right, you know, Costa Rican international, you know, was you know was not too long ago only second choice to Leighton Baines on 30, 40 grand a week, and here you are just kicking some lad from League One because you haven't got the ball. I mean, what kind of mentality is that for a professional of your caliber? So I think when you, I think as as you say, it's just when you see players give the role and give the role in a dignified fashion that you come away thinking, right, well, you know, it is what it is at the very worst. I think with confidence being shot as well in some players, I mean, if you look at someone like Wyke, we'll probably get onto him in a second, I imagine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the we have seen people have a go at Wyke because well, he hasn't scored a hat-trick in the, in the game or something. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, give him a chance. I realise that he's, you know, we've said when he gets back from his injury, give him a chance that he might kick on from there. It's been six games or so and he's not done that. But like, it's. I guess he's not. You know, he's not championship quality. But we're not. We're not there. That's we're in this league, and he's proven to be a goal scorer in this league. And he just needs to be given a chance. Everyone has bad games, and he's just gone through a bad run. It's interesting that you said championship quality because I've seen that a lot. As like fans are like, oh, this player's not championship quality. I'm like, well, well actually, we're not in the championship. Yeah. So mm-hmm, therefore, yeah. why are we worried? It's like when I saw Will Griggs sign. People were like, oh. We've all appeared there because his record in the championship's not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're actually in League One. Yeah, we're, so we're why are we gonna... worried about mm-hmm. the championship? I mean, if you're in the championship and you're going for promotion, you're not worrying about whether or not he can cut it no. in the Premier League. You're no. thinking, we need to go up and then we'll think about the championship when we're yeah, in the championship. Yes. To be honest, that that's funny though. I, I, that, what you said there about the Premier League championship comparison, it's weird how I think if we were in that situation, we just wouldn't be having this discussion at all. I think if we were a team pushing for promotion of the Premier League and would sign Cameron Jerome for six million, we wouldn't suddenly be going, oh, but he's not Premier League quality, he only ever does it in the Championship. You know, we wouldn't care if it was that way around, so why is this suddenly an issue now? You see loads of teams sign players that are good by Championship standards, but are mediocre Premier League players. I mean, when you look at the likes of, like I say, Cameron Jerome, uh, Rudy Gested, Daryl Murphy, these players, when they're signed by teams doing well in the Championship, they're seen as a marquee signing. The scene is, you know, the, the the ticket to promotion and little else. You know, no one thinks further on, you know, no one's worried. No one's basing that signing on how well it'll be next season. They base them on what job are they going to do now. And that's how I see Will Grigg. I, you know, I mean, if we get promoted and he what, doesn't do that well, I mean, I'd, I'd presume that, you know, we wouldn't be pinning all our hopes on one striker anyway, you know, if we've not learned from mistakes from the past, but... For the time being, he, you know, we're signing, uh, you know, an, a, a man that's regarded as nothing less than a League One goal machine. Let's see how he gets on in the Championship. You never know. He, he might do well. He might not. But that's then. And as we've said, this is now. Do you think this is what we we're talking about as well before about a Premier League fan mentality that Sunderland fans are talking about next season's squad mm. in the Championship when mm-hmm. actually we're third in the league at the yeah. minute and. You know, what thinking is a championship club, well, actually, we're not there yet. That's, 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 that's what I'm worried people are falling into. 
especially with all the stick that I saw, you know, the chairman getting over the last couple of days. There's nothing wrong with wanting the best and wanting us to get in the championship and obviously in the Premier League eventually, fingers crossed. But you need to be in the here and now. And we need mm-hmm. to concentrate on the here and now and that's the only way you get ahead, essentially. Yeah. I feel like it's a bit of a humbling experience for some Sunderland fans who clearly still think we're a Premier League club by the way they go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and next season, if we did go up, people will be expecting us to fight for promotion in the next league. But <laughs> like, it's this, we're drawn against teams like, um, you know, Charlton away, we're drawn against teams like Fleetwood at home, Oxford at home. And, you know, you'd think it'd be a humbling experience for these Sunderland fans who clearly think this league's easy, we'll get out of this, no problem. If we don't get out of this league this season, then uh, it'd be interesting to see how many of them fans, like, change their mentality of they're still going to be the same now we're a championship club it's good to have that level of optimism it really is we need it mm-hmm. but obviously being a Sunderland fan we've got that flip side of like total mm-hmm. pessimism as well yeah. <laughs> it's a weird mixture isn't it yeah I guess because we're not really used to being in this league and everything's just happened so quickly yeah. you've gone from Premier League to League One in mm-hmm. two seasons it's like wow we've not actually had the time to adjust to being relegated no. from the Premier League never mind going to the third division I want to talk about. Um, I mean, I want to talk about the sort of stuff you were talking about there a little bit later on. But for now, back to the game. Grant Ledbetter made his second debut for the club. What do you make of him? Do you think he's going to be a, a difference maker on our promotion charge? Proved to be a difference maker in the goal, um, and it, I think he got man in the match. Did he? Yeah, did I? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, so probably already... as much as sentimental man in the match because I think John McLaughlin mm. was really the guy who stole the win, but. Yeah, I mean, with the, with the, like the cross, obviously, I think he was a bit lucky with the cross in the sense it bounced, but still, he got to where he needed to be, got the goal. Um, if he can continue that sort of performance, then that's fine. Yeah. I just I just know from, you know, his Middlesbrough days and obviously his days with us in the past, he works hard. He really does. He seems to have that mentality that he knows where he's from and what he's about. So I've got a lot of time for him. And obviously, like you said, might have been debut bias or whatever, or mm. a little bit of debut look, but he did the job yesterday, so mm. why not get behind him? Lewis Morgan made a debut yesterday and I thought I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, I, I thought, thought it was, was yeah, it was tremendous. He was absolutely brilliant, I thought. Go on, continue. Oh, yeah. Dissect. Just say more say more great things about Lewis Morgan. Yeah. No. Well, if you insist, <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I thought he was really good. I thought every time he went down the wing, I thought he looked like he was gonna do something. I thought his crosses were were excellent. His first touch, I thought was tremendous, you know. Very strong. Very strong, yeah, very strong, despite not looking very strong. Yeah, I mean, he looks. I mean, he's he, he looks like a slightly slighter version of George Honeyman. Yeah, it was. It was actually if yeah, one for the yeah, fact that George the, Honeyman the, had shaved his hair a little yeah, bit, it would have yeah, been difficult. The, the look, to... like, like from the back when they're both running, and I'm not, and I'm not looking at them face on. They look like the same person, with the the exception, as I say, that Morgan looks a bit slighter. But that being said, he, he's there was a lot of times when he won the ball from like you know from the fullback or whoever was marking him, you know, who was normally a much bigger player as was the case with that Wimbledon team. And he was just winning the ball off them. Like, and with the same first touch, he could just drag it away, but kept it in control and then just, you know, bombed down the flank and then swung across in or passed it to someone in a better position. But every time he did it, he made the right, he made the right call. He, he looked really good. Um, I, I, made a, I made a tweet um, not too long ago. You made like, a tweet? Made a tweet. Yeah. Is, 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 that, is, that, not, is that not the I correct? I'd say you tweeted probably. Well, no, but I can't like, if, like, if a tweet and a tweet just sounds quite redundant, doesn't it? Like... You don't really make it. It's like you, you physically you, you, make a tweet. Well, well, I, well, I do make it, don't I? You know, like I, I type and then I, I hit post. I think that constitutes making oh, something. Okay. So, you know, yeah, yeah. It's like oh. saying sending a text. It's like you just text somebody. Yeah. You know, sending a text. Is, yeah, yeah, do that you, kind of you, yeah, you do send it or you do make it. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, either or, fundamentally, they're the, the, the same thing. I just think making a tweet just sounds like 
a bit weird. You know what? You know what? We're going to leave this tangent where where I'm in the wrong and and, and, and Connor's in the right, and we're going to we're going to move swiftly back to Morgan. Yeah, go on. Continue. Yeah, but no, like so that, so that tweet that I made. I made, yeah. <laughs> with your own two hands. Uh, with my with my own with my own two thumbs. That that tweet that I made, yeah. Thumbs. Well, I, I type with me thumbs. Oh, yeah, you do. Don't I type with. Yeah, you do. By the way, was uh, he was seventeen? Was he the number seventeen? Is yeah. That right? Yes. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. was him. Yeah. But you watched the game yesterday. Not sure who. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I was like, that's the new guy. Yeah. That's not Jerome Sinclair. <laughs> uh, it's like a bit different. Yeah. Yes. As yeah, we said. But yeah, no, basically. Tweet. Yeah. Get back to this famous tweet. It was a very average tweet, all things considered. I was just posting like what I think is our best lineup now. And I had Gooch on because I hadn't seen Morgan yet. Like I've never really seen him play. So I just thought, yeah, you know, um I would put Gooch in the team for now because obviously I, I don't, you know, how good Morgan is remains to be seen. But I think based solely on today, I would probably today? swap Gooch yesterday. I would swap Gooch out for for mm. Morgan, I, I think just missed a total. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's having, having a great time. He, yeah, he came close to scoring, yeah. didn't he? Uh, Connor's there, sat in his sat in his little um uh, little director's chair, cackling away. <laughs> there I'm the only chair that doesn't have armrests. Yeah, well, <laughs> saw myself short. Clearly, you're compensating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, uh, let's talk a little bit about Max Power yesterday. Um, he, he get, we talk about him seemingly every week and say that we expect a little bit more. Did I saw him put a few tackles yesterday, which I quite like the look of? But did we see enough? Of Max yesterday, or are we still waiting for him to get back to that early season form? Yeah, I thought he was quite good yesterday, to be honest. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Johnny. As we said before, cut them all and power together don't really work. But you know, if we get someone like Ledbetter and someone like Power who maybe have two different roles, one more of attack minded, the other one's more defensive, then it could work out. Um, I think yesterday, well, going by the way people react, I guess it uh, we we didn't, none of the players played particularly well, but. Um, Power is someone who I think on his day can be a, a very solid centre defensive midfielder. So Dylan McGeoch Martin, what do you think of him? I think he's kind of lad. Um, it's just another one of these things you want to see the consistency in the players. Mm-hmm. You see them when they play well, you see them when you play not so well, and you wonder why that is. And we were talking about maybe mentality before. I, I, I struggle sometimes with the players when they have this mentality of. It might be like we were saying a little bit earlier, superstition maybe, or I haven't done this right in the past so it won't go right again. I wonder how you can you can break that down. I wonder if it's a managerial aspect, is it a coaching aspect? Because with players like McGock, you just do want to, you kind of want that consistency. And what what would you do? Like, what would you do differently in training to make sure that these players have that self belief? That's what I want to see again. I don't think it's preparation. I think at the minute. We're, we need to get the second goal in games. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting that yeah. first one. That's seeing a game off. That's that's what I mean. Yeah. Age-old Sunderland problem. We know what can do it. We're, we're scoring. You know, I don't know what it is that makes them kind of. Oh, it's alright. I'll just sit mm. back for a bit. Or yeah. do you think though that again? We, we, I think we talked about it last week. Jack Ross at the start of the year was pretty much taking a, a gung ho approach, and we we'll, you know we won away at Gillingham four one. It was a tight game, but we just kept going and going. Mm. Whereas now we feel a bit more reserved when we take the lead. But I don't know if that's a directive or if that's within the players. I mean, it's hard to tell. What what do you call it? Italians just use it back in the day. Cut natural. So you mm-hmm. score a goal and you shut up shot. You part of the bus type of thing. Mm-hmm. That's an all right tactic. It's boring. But if we're winning, I didn't care. But we're mm. just we're not that good. At the minute to do that, score a goal and sit back and think, I'll be all right. Like we you know, uh, scored four against Rochdale and we've scored three against Gunthorpe, four against Gillingham. We, we, we clearly have the ability to score a lot of goals and obviously the team 
isn't a lot different from them. We've got new signings in January, but like we've still got all those players that had it in them to score four goals. So it's just it is strange. I don't know, maybe the pressure of like, you know, early season, get off to a good start, but now it's like, you know, the nitty gritty, everyone's expecting us to get first and second. We aren't there yet. Maybe the pressure's on the players to get there. And once we do, if we do, then maybe they'll they'll relax and we'll see a better side. But I think maybe it's just to do with the pressure. Maybe they just don't feel relaxed at the moment. Because Aye. the fans obviously get on their backs when they don't score the first shot they take and all that. Um, but this is what I wonder about. So, it's sort of like at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Do you think they all go on Twitter? Do you think they all sit there? Because I know from being a musician, you do a good gig, you feel good, you go on Twitter. There's 100 messages, let's say. I'm not saying I'm that popular, but you say you get 100 <laughs> tweets. 99 of them saying, oh, it's kind of that. like, And one of them goes, oh, you crap. Do you mm-hmm. think the players are sitting mm-hmm. there like, Neglecting. Max Power obviously is on Twitter a lot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, is could that be a thing? Because well, everyone's human, and I know. I mean, if you get fifty messages and three of them are negative, do the three that are negative get to you? Because I know when I get, you know, if I read on Twitter negative things about me, I'll almost miss the positive ones and I'll focus on the negative it's ones. Human nature, yeah. That's yeah. the way it is. Yeah, yeah. So I think sometimes, you know, again, we'll talk about sort of social media because of the podcast yesterday with Stuart Donald, but. I think people don't realise the impact. I mean, everyone's still human. Just because you're in 10, 20 grand a week doesn't mean that when you read mm. something negative, it isn't going to mm-hmm. get you. There's a culture of sort of, of it being okay to just say what you want about someone because they want a pedestal. You know, I think because someone's on Twitter and because loads of people can just say whatever they want to them, you know, whenever they want, however they want, using, using you know, as I said, just using a, a medium like Twitter or Facebook, because they can do that, and because this person is on a pedestal, it's okay to do it. it there's a, there's a very there's a very certain culture about that. If you want to go on, if you want to go on Twitter after a match and and call Max Power any name under the sun, you can literally just do that. You know, you, you it, it's in your control to just to just have a go at him, even if the tweet gets taken down. He says it first, you know, and that's that's the impact it has on the player. It's absolutely a factor. As you said in in the the modern day, you know it, it it absolutely it absolutely must tie into it, because as you as you said as well, Connor, the they're all you know every footballer is a human being before they are an athlete, and they're going to see these tweets and they're going to think that I mean, if, if I mean if, if you see them that if you, especially when you're a young lad, if you see them that much and in such frequency when something's going wrong. If if you're the corner taker and you see 50, 100, 150 tweets saying that, oh, we can't beat the first man, or it's a massive joke that we can't take corners, you're going to think about that when you take the next one. Of course, yeah. You're, you're going to think about how it's a joke. And that's that would that would definitely get to you. If you're sat there thinking, right, there's people in those stands who are looking at this corner taker and they're cracking jokes already about it. You know, I, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that people think that, that deeply and that analytically. About their own criticism, I think I know. I think I would. I was just thinking about it, like in terms of uh, comparing it with the past type perspective. You know, mm. successes we've had in the past, the players have usually been quite isolated. That's usually mm-hmm. the case with with footballers. You know, they yeah. live in a certain area, they hang around in so, certain circles. Mm-hmm. But you've got some lads coming through now, 16, 17, 18, 19, who've, who've only known social media. They've grown up with mm-hmm. social media their entire life. And I just wonder, is that naturalised to them, reading mm-hmm. themselves like yeah. people slagging them off? Yeah. Or would they be okay with it? Are the 25, 26 year olds, are they the ones kind of stressing mm-hmm. about it? Because it's sort of new in a sense. Yeah. And the older players probably didn't really have it. No. So I'm just wondering, could that be a factor? I no. Just... Oh, yeah, I think so. I think someone like John O'Shea, that would have been a completely um, uh, completely <laughs> alien concept. Even Grant Ledbetter, you know, Twitter didn't come in at the fold until about 2010. 
And so, even so, it wasn't popular until a bit mm-hmm. later on. You know, I think that the earliest I knew it Twitter was when was when you know Darren Bent was saying stuff about coming to Sunderland, yeah, and that was a sensation at the time because yeah. oh, this mm. this player is just saying stuff online and he can do that. But you know, it's come a long way in 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 a very short space of time. So I, I dare say that that could be something. You know, I just thought about it the other day and I never thought, really considered definitely. it. You know, because footballers tend to have a longer career if everything goes well than you know. Maybe other people in the media might do because in the media you're up and down, you're up and down, whatever. Footballers, if you stay at a team for a certain amount of time, you just, you know, you kind of, you plod along. Mm. And if that comes in, you just get a wave of abuse, not just on the pitch or in the echo or whatever. It just comes directly to your phone. Mm. It must affect your performance on the day. Do you think, um, did everyone listen to the Stuart Donald podcast yesterday? Yes. Yeah. He he talked quite a lot about social media and threats that he'd received from fans. What did you make from that? I mean, Number one, do you think how much of it is Sunderland fans? How much is it just general Twitter trolls? There's Twitter trolls all over the place who can pose as a Sunderland fan. Even mm. so, today mm. there was a fake Stuart Donald account that popped up um, this morning that yeah. came into my notification. I was like, eh, what's he tweeting that for? Oh, it's not him. Mm. Do you think that's something Sunderland fans should think about when you know they've got this direct access almost to Stuart Donald and they can't tweet to him whatever he want, whatever they want, and he you know may well read it. Do you think fans need to think about what they put on? They should, but they won't. Yeah. <laughs> they won't think about it. I mean, I had a, when I listened to that, obviously I've, I was a bit, I was fuming yesterday listening to that podcast, obviously, and I've calmed down a bit, but like, you know, like people sending in personal messages to Stuart Donald about his family That's because they're not getting what they want. Like those people should be banned from the ground. I don't care if they apologize. You can't like get away with that because now we'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, you know, you've already said it and it's not, Right, there's and certain standards, isn't it? You can you can be you can be annoyed at a business decision or a team decision yeah. or a team, whatever. But yeah, when you're going to somebody's family, that's obviously not on. If, if you're not happy with what they've done for the club, well, I mean, you know, think about a year ago. I, I think I'm quite happy with. I think yeah. the, way things the are distinction now. that needs to be made, though, is I don't think I'm not saying that a fan can't tweet Stuart Donald saying they have a legitimate concern. Absolutely, Stuart. You know why? You know why aren't the speakers replaced? <clears throat> And if they send that and it's in a nice way, it's just a question, that's fine. I don't think anyone has a problem with that. I think it's when, I mean, I see sometimes stuff on Twitter and I'm just like, you know, people are going, clearly the owners have got no money. They're Mm. not spending money. We've got these cowboys in. All that kind of stuff goes on there and that's Mm. just not No, it is. It's a a fans game. If you Mm. put it down, there will be nothing without the supporters. They should have a voice. And I think it's only right that you have a voice to air your grievances. But you're right, it's about how you do it. You've got to have a certain standard. You can. It's great that we can tweet him straight away and say, "Look, here, what's up with this?" And most of the time, he gets back, and it's a good answer. But it's when you start, you know, just have a standard. Don't mm-hmm. swear. Don't be over overly irate, and don't get personal. I think dare I say, like a PTSD almost of Sunland's past. Yeah, you know, like yeah. we get to this time of the year usually, and it's like, oh well, we're not getting anybody in. You know, we're waiting for someone, and nothing happens. Um, and maybe it's just because we're so used to that disappointment. We're like, oh, no, not again. Please, not again. And then we get all defensive and like, what are we going to do? You know, they start panicking. And now they've got this opportunity where they can tweet the chairman. We couldn't tweet Ellis Short or, you, no. know, yeah. you know, other fans can't tweet their chairman. You know, it's quite a rare thing that mm-hmm. we have. Um, and we're so used to disappointment, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's a, yeah. It's like, this is going really well. And it feels like we're just waiting for something to go wrong. We're just waiting because well, we're yeah. used to that. <laughs> you know, as I say, just like the panic and they just... It's this like something that we're used to. We can't, you know, get away from it really. And obviously, we're like a whinge. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing wrong with that. No, we've got a platform, yeah, and we whinge, and that's you know, as long as it's done in an all right way, I don't think anyone has a problem. Yeah. It's when it starts getting 
personal. Yeah, that's where the, you know, like you, if I if someone says they don't like a footballer because he doesn't think he's very good, that's one thing. But then, like you know, going to taking a dig at their family or personal things like that, it's got nothing to do with. You know, they might be a really nice person. Just because they're not a very good footballer doesn't mean they're not a nice person yeah. or whatever. And like Stuart McDonald clearly has the football club at heart constantly. So I've said that many times. He's like, you know, that's the only thing he thinks about. We should be grateful for that. I mean, like if he suddenly left, you know, that's disaster. So And also, like, you know, I'm not trying to like come over to like, you know, suck ass or whatever, but he's put himself out there and he mm. does answer questions. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do an short and hide away and pretend no, we don't exist. Even when in even when we're in the face of perceived adversity, when we haven't got a signing, you know, he, he's talking to the fans. Yeah. Sometimes, in spite of the comments he's getting, I mean, I can totally understand if he gets a comment calling him all sorts that he wouldn't want to reply. But as you say, he, he's he's putting himself out there and he's he's addressing the concerns as best he can. And at no point have I ever suspected he's been anything less than completely honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 can't, I, just, I can't even I, get yeah. a reply from like a e. You know what I mean? <laughs> and. Chairman yeah. of the clubs like tweeting people back and stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't I, be grudging one bit if he deletes his Twitter though. Just keeps on I don't no. think he, you know, I mean, especially if we get promoted again and more publicity comes towards him, especially if we're a Premier League club, I, you know, I would think it'd be best if he just didn't have it. See, I, I don't mind him being on it because I think it serves a good purpose. I, I think it, it honestly gets more from it than what he loses through people being idiots. And I think maybe he needs to think, right, I'm just got a channel that that doesn't exist yes they're being arseholes mm-hmm. forget about it move on but if somebody's got a genuine query, query that he can help with you know I mean I know he sold a lot of boxes and corporate suites himself in the summer because people are treating them directly so he does have a purpose I think in on Twitter so I wouldn't say necessarily should delete it it's but dangerous I, though because as I said one quick thing is it's dangerous because people can make pseudonyms people can make you know yeah. false accounts and stuff mm-hmm. and you know people can make an account without their face on it so then you won't even know who it is um, and needs, to, uh, needs to get himself verified, man. Yeah, yeah to be honest, that, I'm that, that, that's a that's a big shout. Actually, he does need to get himself verified. That, that's that's how you get rid of that issue. Yeah, that's, that's why it exists. The verification feature. Yeah. So I'm waiting for mine. <laughs> <laughs> You're verified, aren't you? I don't know how. It just happened. Just somebody, I think um, somebody got in touch with like a fake poet account. <laughs> so I tweeted them. I was like, "What are you doing?" And then a I fake think, poets. Yeah, like just you know, somebody being a schneid. And then Twitter just did it for us. So oh, it's quite that's nice, cool. Though. So I need to make like a fake Connor Bromley or yeah. something. Bronner Comley. <laughs> I do that. Um, the while... Connor Bromley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> while we're talking about Stuart Donald, though, I think it'll be a good time to talk about the January transfer business. Um, I think if we're going to rate it between 0 and 10, I think he gets a solid 9. I think the recruitment team did a hell of a job. If you look at where we were January 1st to where we are now, we lost Majer. That was the big blow, but we replaced him sufficiently with a, a, a goal scorer. Which you know, was I, that last transfer. I mean, uh, you know, it's as I said in the uh, mm-hmm. one on YouTube. It's a fickle game. You know, if we didn't sign well, Greg. Things would have been uh, a failure for transfer. Yeah. And do you know what? Back to the point about <laughs> Stuart Donald. The fact that he organised this podcast at half eight on deadline day when he didn't know whether or not it was going to be good or bad, mm-hmm. I think speaks a lot about him mm-hmm. because he could easily have just been, no, I'm not doing a, mm-hmm. a pod. For the January transfer business, how do we rate it? Is it fair to say? Eight, nine out of ten, would you agree? Gets an eight yeah. from me. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty pleased, yeah. yeah. Eight with the potential to rise to a nine <laughs> or a ten, depending on yes. how many Greek scores. Definitely. If he gets 15, it's a nine. If he gets 20, it's a ten. I was, I was a bit down the way, though, and I was, I was, I was talking to my mates and following uh, a few things. It was a Thursday or Wednesday, obviously talking about a couple of, couple of people who were, I wasn't particularly keen on signing. 
Mm. A few people were particularly keen on signing. It was a bit of a debate for me. Yeah, there was a certain, certain striker, I'm sure you're all aware yeah. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Which, you know, Donald did confirm we were interested in. Um, but yeah, that didn't happen. We got somebody who's a proven goal scorer. Yeah, brought up a few interesting uh, conversations with me and my mates and a few people I saw online. But I'm glad of the result in the end. Massive debate about. You know that guy. <laughs> given how we, how much we've grown to like our new dressing room and our new, the the personas of our new players, I think it's best that that was avoided mm-hmm. at all costs. But that's yeah. uh, that's the most I'll say on that. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, happy transfer window, decent uh, happy transfer window, like happy, happy transfer window, happy everybody. Transfer window. <laughs> uh, good transfer window. Uh, obviously, Will Greg being the marquee signing in that one, and. Um, yeah, I think he'll get the go- he'll get plenty of goals this in in the team. He's proven he can song as well. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Are you uh, gonna release your own version? We'll do, yeah. we'll do a remix. I think yeah. honestly, you do a remix of that, you'll you'll sell loads. Yeah. <laughs> if you, no, if you most... do an acoustic Will Griggs on fire, that will be mm. like the the opening track. Yeah, you've got to think about that. Yes. Stock, we'll like. sort it out. Like we'll sort it. <laughs> yeah, now, now the. Uh, Sod's law would be Sunderland's uh, look would be Will Griggle probably get injured for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, let's hope he doesn't. Nah, <laughs> I think you should work on that, you know. That's sort of way. Yeah, because I think if you did that, get in touch with the club, get them to play it before the games, you'll, you'll be a millionaire before the end of the month. <laughs> I'm telling you, you'll do well. So, like, so did that start with Will Grigg, do you know, that chant? Or did it start it's with... Wigan. It's Wigan fans, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm wondering if it started with somebody else and they've just adapted it to them. When you think about or... it, though, why did why did that particular chant get so popular? Just two Maybe he was yeah. just, like, at one point actually on fire and they were like, Will Grigg's yeah. on fire? <laughs> yeah. The defence is actually terrified because yeah. he's on fire. Because he's running out <laughs> goal and he's actually on fire. Yeah. yeah. I think it's quite witty for a football chant. Like, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I thought it came from Northern Ireland fans because, like, they had a No, thing, like, they, they, like, adopted it during that uh, Euro. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was that pretty previous season because Will Grigg I think it was 15-16 Wigan went up and he scored 28 goals mm-hmm. or something actually I know he scored 28 because I watched the video on YouTube on my side because <laughs> I'm a massive loser yeah. mind <laughs> you that chant we had for Yanazai that was in the tune of that Stone Roses song had massive potential yeah but Yanazai was shit yeah. yes he was dreadful wasn't he well that, that, that's that's ultimately the Achilles heel but that was such a great idea and people were actually like singing that before he showed himself up to be a complete fraud good chance yeah. though really so, really good chance so, at this if, level, if he was a decent ooh. player and person that would be great he scored against Shrewsbury though so I think if we could get him back at this level he might do a job hey I, I mean honestly uh, Adnan Yanazai strikes me as the kind of uh, the kind of person with the right attitude to come to League One for purely <laughs> the goodness of that chance, you know, if yeah. it was ever a selfless person who dropped down two divisions and a substantial amount of wages, it's obviously Adnan Yanazai. So I think, Clearly. Stuart Donald, if you're listening, you have to sign him, otherwise everything's bad forever. The best chant that we've still had, I, I still stand by, is Dribble uh, CC's oh, chant. That was, that was my favourite one. Really, that, really yeah. good chant, that. Yes, yes. Uh, just because I do not agree with Alex on Adnan Yanazai. Do not sign him. Well, I mean, it, it was... It was <laughs> hopefully... An obviously sarcastic comment. I, I just I wanted to make it clear because people way. can't see your face. Yeah. They might be leaving this going, yeah. God, that Alex on Roker report thinks it was just like yeah. 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 To, oh, to be there honest, some fans yeah. out there and who my, will believe My that. sort of like tone is quite dry anyway. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to head this off by saying that I am definitely being sarcastic <laughs> and I cannot stand the football they had in Anyanazai. So please don't sign. Even him. that name just gets me blood I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh. Some exchange betting companies run short lived promotions like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDag, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDag is changing for the better. For the better, like you. 
BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. What you know. do we think uh, next week got Oxford? What do we think the team's going to be? Do you think there'll be changes? Do you think it's possible McGeoch might slip in? Luke 9 was harshly dropped, mm. I felt, at the weekend. Definitely. And came on and looked good. So is he likely to come in? Do you Will think he should go start? back to right back, perhaps? Oh, I don't know. I quite like Adam Matthews. I would actually try and fit Luke 9 in somewhere in the final third. Yep. Um, I don't know who you would drop out, but I suppose that's not my problem with Jack Ross's. Mm. Um, I mean, if Greg is fit enough, then you surely should start him. I'd say, I mean, you know, he's there's a lot of hype around him and I guess what he needs to do is just get that first goal and then, you know, we can see he's capable of getting the goals for us. I think, yeah, that first goal is going to be the challenge for him. Once he's got it, it should be fine. But, like, I think he just needs to start um, if, when he's fit to play him, as far as I'm concerned. Do you reckon there's any legs in a Charlie White with Luke 9 sitting behind him like Akin Fenwar at Wickham was with Luke 9 well, I mean, I don't think... If Will Grigg isn't 100%, is that something you could do? I think it's an idea. I think then you have to factor in where you fit Honeyman, but I think it's an idea. Would you drop Honeyman in deeper? Where he was playing and played really well recently? Again? But then you, I suppose you, you, you possibly will. could, but then, but then that's, that's at the expense of power or Leadbitter. Or McGeoch or whoever yeah, else. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd personally, I think that while Power did play better yesterday, I would still be inclined to drop him for 0-9. I'd, I, pers- I mean, I, I, I said, I think I might have said this, I don't know whether I said this last week or if I've said this at some point, but I think, I, mean, I, think, I think I just said it in, to one of my mates at some point. Um, I, I don't know. Mates? Like, uh, yeah, mates. Really? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm as surprised as you are that I've still got some of those. But yeah. I mean, if you like Sadan Yanazai, like, you know. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, I mean that, that's, that's a very, very fair point, Johnny. But yeah, yeah, um, see, I've lost my train of thought now, Connor. You, I'm sorry, you, I've totally you, ruined you, you your keep, day. Yeah. You keep just putting spanners in me works, and I'm just, I'm not about that, but. Right, yeah, so, yeah, I think I would, our midfielders, I think, are, are, a lot of our, like, midfielders are good, and for that reason, they sort of become much of a muchness. So I think it. I think it's a nice problem to have, but it always seems that like the team selection is harsh on one player. I know one week it's harsh on McGeoch because he played well last week, but then someone's come in and Ross has wanted to try that in the system. This week it's harsh on 0-9 because he wants to try power and lead bidder for whatever reason. You know, not not that I'm saying that that's right or wrong, just that I'm saying that it, he's had an idea with players that are all very solid players at this level, and obviously it's got the results, so you can't complain. But that's why, oh. I, that's why I hate I hate the transfer yeah. January transfer because it just screws your team up because you, you get into a certain rhythm and like we were talking about the players before it's about the consistency and it's about yeah. the rhythm and when you're dropping players and you're trying things and changing things because you've got new lads and lads have mm. gone it really just does mess with the team mm. I'm not and surely it must just be financial reasons the January transfer because I'd prefer it if it wasn't there really I think yesterday it seemed to me that I think going forward something are not going to be a team that will really get involved in the January transfer window because Stuart said that... He wants it all done in the summer, didn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think January transfer window for me should exist for if you need a loan to just assure an area up for depth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. um, before we get on to talking to you, Martin, about sort of, you know, you doing your singing thing, your guitar <laughs> thing, um, atmosphere at the stadium. Yesterday, the game was probably the worst atmosphere I've had at the stadium like for a while, especially for a game with one. So is it good enough? Um, can we improve it? And what do we make of the Red My Army's uh, initiative for flags where they want to raise £5,000 to you know, produce some 
banners and flags to go at the bottom of the road around. Oh, why not? I think it looks. I think it would look great. I mean, if yeah. you see sometimes when you look at Anfield or whatever, and all those flags in the uh, cop end, and it looks amazing. And I think some people might argue it's corny or whatever. I don't care. Like I think it looks good. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a good atmosphere. It's and a bit of a like, laugh as well, isn't it? Yeah. Why, why yeah. do you go to the football? You don't go to the football. Have like a, well, some people do. Have like, a miserable time. <laughs> yeah. I, say, I think we do. We fair. do sort of. But you go have a laugh. Like I've been lucky enough to go to quite a lot of German games uh, on my travels and that. And over there, obviously, it's all standing stadiums, especially in the lower leagues. And they've got flags and they've got flares mm. and they've got fireworks. They've got all sorts. And it's class. You just feel like you're part mm. of some daft event. I'm, I, I don't want us to go down the Yank route because I you know, fundamentally despise that type of scenario. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of there, scenario. There, there, there's a way that can go horribly yeah. wrong. <laughs> but there's no wrong with having a flag and having, you know, just going on a bit daft because if you create that atmosphere, it creates a different type of electricity yeah. and a buzz and it might G the players a little yeah. bit. You there's a know. way you can use, uh, if you want to call them props, like flags and banners to sort of generate a better atmosphere. Without, just not the clappers. With, with that, without it being like artificial, like yeah, exactly. like, like, like like the very like Yank commercialised oh, way. But I mean, when you're in, in Germany, did you ever go to Dortmund? Yes, I did the wall. Eh? The yellow wall. Yeah, yeah. 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 When you see the yellow wall, that puts it all in perspective. You know, that, that is an atmosphere. You know, that, that is the exemplary atmosphere by which all... You know, all sort of like all sort of like diehard supporter areas of stadiums should adhere to. You know, that is the that's the standard that we should be sort of getting the South Stand to to try their best to emulate. I mean, obviously, as a League One team, you know, you're not going to make a, you're not going to make a red and white wall when you're in League One. You know, and, and that that's far too unrealistic an expectation. But you know, like but why is that if, if we if, if we raise money to get some banners going and some flags. Just, just to you know, just to sort of like give, just, to, just to make the place look a bit more alive, if nothing else, you know, you, you mean you're not going to suddenly just like drive all the pessimists and turn them into optimists, but you're going to go some way to making a more positive atmosphere, and that's ultimately what we need, because that's that's what we're lacking. You know, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to start, you know, saying, oh, okay, guy who sits in row seventeen, seat six five four, you know, you need to be more optimistic, but we, we can't all sit there and just moan at them all game, you know, like. If we're not beating a team 4-0, we can't just decide to only raise the voices when we're either getting an order at the referee or if we're telling a, or if we want to tell a player that he should have passed earlier. Because they're good, you know, like we've we've got a League One team. They're not going to be the Premier League or, or good championship team that you want. You know, it's not going to be the finished product. And you, in this league, you cannot be particularly great and still win a game, as evidenced yesterday. So you've just got to sort of like take it as it is. I'm not saying they have to be happy all the time. There's there's a balance, but you, you know, you just. I think you there's a, an argument that when they do the season ticket renewals in April, they can say to people, do you want to get involved in singing flags, all that jazz? Mm-hmm. And then people like me, to be honest, I, I, I like looking at it. I don't want to get involved in it. I don't. I just want to watch the game. That's just yeah. the way I am. I, I'm not really bothered about singing. Yeah. I just want to sit, take the game in, make my own thoughts. If you don't want to sing, people... that makes you a mag. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like with, I mean, like myself, I'm not one who gets involved with chants a lot. I'll shout and you know express my opinion sometimes, but I won't. I've never chanted. Express it sometimes. Yes, soft, occasionally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If the referees are really annoying, you know, I don't often swear at the players. Like some of them just like openly swear constantly. Yeah. You know, no, I don't um, like that much. no. But um, I think like Charlie Mathurin did say he wants like the Russia Dortmund model, so that can. Go into the, the crowd. Yeah. Like, I, I, I implore anybody listening to go and like experience a match in Europe if you can. Mm-hmm. It's class. It's a class atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's like we we went to Cologne purely for the reason because FC Cologne, like really low league team playing red and white. So we all went along. Loads of Sunderland supporters. They've seen loads of Sunderland supporters over the years, right. and we had a class time. And you know there was only about about two thousand people there. 
but we were making the most noise because mm. the German fans like jeered us on and we were like, oh, yeah. so we just went a bit daft. And it does make a difference. Like there was one player we picked, we picked on the keeper just because his name was funny and we just chanted <laughs> his name the entire match. Right. And he played a blinder and he got man of the match. And I'm not saying it was us, it but was it was. It, it felt <laughs> part of something, if that makes any sense. So if you get a chant for Charlie White, go and he'll start scoring goals. Exactly. Yeah, I go, that's it. It does, it does count. I think it does. Mm. And yeah, fair play. My dad's the same. He just likes to sit there and analyse the game. He never gets into a chant. He's like a proper good strategist, you know. Yeah. But I don't think there's any wrong with it. It'll get more people mm. who are maybe on the fence involved as well who mm-hmm. become, well, what, what do we call ourselves? Sunland supporters. You've got to give a bit of support. Yeah. Simple as that. You've got it, but it's like, obviously, it's subjective how you support them. You know, if you want to support them by getting involved with that, that's great. If you want to support them by just being there and just mm. enjoying the game, then mm. that's, that's your, yeah. you know... Yeah, I mean that comes back to that. I mean, again, that just comes back to balance. You know, you, you know, you, you shouldn't ever be a happy clapper for the sake of you know just a, being a happy clapper. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just because some bloke, i.e., me, is sat there on a pod saying, "Oh, you should be more positive," that doesn't mean you have to be. No, absolutely not. You know, if if you're not disposed to, to just constant, irritating positivity, then that's completely fair enough. But as you've said there, if you're a supporter. You know, it'd be nice to just do some support every now and then. You know, you, you you can you can sit there, and you don't have to be just like you know, just like bouncing off the walls throughout the entirety, saying about how everything's great and nothing's wrong. But if you just if you just sat there exclusively criticising, it's not support. Well, by definition, it's not. When I had my season ticket, I've been season ticket for years, and unfortunately, I had to give it up because I've worked away a lot these days. Mm-hmm. I always remember there was a, a couple in front of us, a little bit older than me dad, and. All they did was complain. Mm. Like, that's all they did. Like, when we scored, didn't really celebrate. When anything went well, didn't really celebrate. Mm. But when something went wrong, that's yeah. when they got up. Yeah. And that's when they shouted and they screamed. That's when they were animated. And mm. I was like, hopefully we don't have that many supporters like that. I'm, I'm you know... Because you've got to think, like, you're, optimistic, you're but... spending money and, like, you're spending money on stuff that you don't enjoy. Like, what's the point in that? Like... Yeah, I suppose the air argument would be, though, I mean, they pay their money, they can do what they want. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But I think we're kind of alluding to the idea that Sunderland has an amazing fan base but at the minute maybe our support in the literal sense of support is not where it needs to be no is that a fair thing to say i'm not i'm not even sure if i agree with that myself but do you think that's something that you know maybe we do need to look at ourselves and I say i think it could be better i do i do think it could be better i think given the circumstances we could be doing a bit more for the general positivity but we understand why that is though because obviously yeah. double relegation it's oh you know, i mean i mean everyone's yeah. it, it was a very sick mm-hmm. at the end of the season and had the new owners not came in god knows where i'd be right yeah. now probably in a and i got somewhere crying yeah but and, yeah the fans are still getting over that yeah. aren't they so mm-hmm. i understand like i'm never going to slay anybody for going to the game paying their money and, and wanting to shout at the team for the full 90 minutes i get it we've been crap for the mm-hmm. last few years but maybe we do mm-hmm. have to look at ourselves a little bit and go mm-hmm. are we supporting the team or are we mm-hmm. judging this team on the last two years yeah uh, to be honest, I think if we were where we were last season, I would think that, that an attitude of constant, unrelenting neg- negativity would be completely justified. Yeah, I think if we were enduring a third extremely mediocre season, we I could think, only yeah, pray I, for yeah, extremely mediocre last year. Yeah, I, I think I think if Martin Bain was still here, we still had Ella Short's Iron Curtain. You know, I think if we'd appointed another manager who would just been sacked and replaced by another manager who was, you know, slightly better looking but ultimately still not as good, then I think we'd be in the same situation again. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd just, I'd be like, you know, I, I wouldn't blame the fans at all for being negative, and I would applaud them just for being there. As, I, as I felt last season, you know, I thought, you know, I thought everyone who was at the stadium last season sitting through that absolutely horrendous stuff. I think you did 
brilliantly to get to even one game, let alone a whole season. But I think we're in, a, we're in it. Where we're at now is a different world. You know, it's an entirely different era. You know, almost all the remnants of the double relegation for me are gone. The only thing that really, the only lasting aspect of its legacy is our league position. Is that is the league we're in? But but really, that should serve as a springboard. We're doing very well in this league. You know, we're, we're as it stands, we're fourth. We've got three games in hand. Should we win them all, we're tied top with Luton, who we could easily catch given that scenario. This is a different era. This is a different time. And I think based on that, we've you know we've, we're just again we just we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be as negative as what we are. We we could be just a bit more positive. I think, I think I've said every variation of that now. So I do. I take, I, take, I take your point fully. If people are spending their money, they've worked hard for, they can they can choose what they want to do with the match. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I think if you maybe have a sit down, have a two minute think about what you're actually going there for. Mm. Wouldn't you not want to have a a good time? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. especially when we're winning. And if everyone's happy, everyone's time's better. Yeah, that's just the way it is. It know? was like. For me, it was bizarre. Like, I mean, this is the first time that I've experienced where we're doing fairly well. We get three points and the fans are still complaining. I'm like, well, we've just won a game. And Portsmouth, who were catching up, the wheels are practically falling off at the moment. They've, like, you know, you know, we've got an opportunity to get second. And it's like, we're not, you know, 21st or 22nd in League One. We're third in the league. And we're, you know, very close to possibly getting promoted again. And like, you get three points. You you want to get the three points. You get them. You should be happy. I know. Obviously, the maybe at that moment the game isn't great to watch, but like you get three points. You get the win. <laughs> that's that's more important, you know. It's right. that tendency, like you said, about thinking about the future. We're thinking we're a championship team already. We're thinking we're a Premier League team in mm-hmm. in two years' time, mm-hmm. and we've got that. I don't know what the word would be, but I'm sure, there's a psychological term. We're pessimistic for things that aren't even happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, last 10 minutes. Uh, I'm going to devote this to you, Martin. So, oh, God. <laughs> Firstly, why are you a Sunderland fan? Is it geography? Is there another reason? Um, yeah, so I was, I was born I was born in Sunderland, in, in Harrington. Went to Harrington School and then Farringdon. So I've just grown up with a strong Sunderland support mm. and friendship group and family group. And why wouldn't I be? Oh, yeah, family, Sunderland fans. Yeah, every yeah. single one of them, yeah. Um, even the ones that have moved away, you know. A couple of my family's moved down south for work and various things and... Still lads fans. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I've never understood why you wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Really, to be quite honest with you, if you're from here, why would you go and support somebody else? Like, if I have a son or a daughter and they move away, I'd like to think that they would... You've got to force them. No, so I, wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't force them. You know, nah, you do, you've got to force I'd, them. Like, I'd like to think that they would take that <laughs> yeah. with them, you know, instead of just... It's part of identity, isn't it? Of course it, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's very important. I strongly believe that's very important, especially in the 21st century where everybody's just becoming this horrible, massive, like commercial Americanness. we're all you know everybody's trying mm. to be somebody off Twitter or Instagram to yeah. have something that's ours even mm. if it might have been pants the last couple of seasons it's still ours yeah. and we can go like, I've, I've, like I said I've, I've been lucky enough to travel around with music and I've met people abroad and I've oh you're from Sunderland and we've just talked about Sunderland mm-hmm. about the football team primarily and just various bits of music and this and that and I feel it very strongly mm. it must be quite boring if you're from LA yeah. or New York or London it's like oh you're from London well, so is everybody else yeah do you know what I mean? So I, I, I do take if, that very... If you're a Sunderland fan and you meet another Sunderland fan, you could just talk about Sunderland. Instant mates. Yeah. 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 Even if they're yeah, totally different yeah. people in every aspect, mm-hmm. but you've got that mm-hmm. one thing in common. What's that thing I mentioned earlier? I went to go and see Fortuna Cologne. They play in red and white. We play in red and white. Mm-hmm. Instant pals. Yeah. That was it. They were Germans. <laughs> that was it, yeah. They know Love all about Sunderland. Sunderland. City. We know all about the them. The thing in common was the colour of the strip. And <laughs> really, in, in, in any other context, that would be meaningless. Yeah. But in football, it goes yeah, so it makes far. Yeah, a difference. Yeah. It really does. I feel that very yeah. strongly. So. 
to take that a little bit further. That's why I write sometimes about the area. Um, that's why I sing in my local dialect and I sing in my accent as well because I'm from here and I'm proud to be from here. I'm not trying to be anybody else. And that, I reflect that in the football team as well. How has the last couple of months been since the Netflix documentary? In fact, before you answer that, how did the, your song get on there? How did that come about? Uh, so I wrote it quite a while ago, actually. It's like two, three-year-old? Yeah, so 20, end of 2015, album came out, debut album, made it over in uh, Nashville. Nashville, and, Tennessee? Nice. Yeah, it was pretty well, fun again. Nice like, you know, but class. Lord of Mackhams, all of us went about nine of us went over and made tons of friends over there. Now they all know about Sunland's. And that's what, I'm, that's what I mean. You just you, you just share it around. We made from Nashville, Jordan. He's from Florida. Moved to Nashville. He, he loves pro golf and baseball and basketball and all those American sports. But he's got something on top. And he wears it in Nashville and he sends us a picture every now and again just because he's he's one of us now. You know what I mean? So I made that album and, and a couple of the songs were based about the area and my granddad and my family and experience of, you know, industrial decline and, and stuff like that. And the Netflix lads from Fullwell 73 sent us a lovely email to really love this song. We've came across it, and um, somebody's like said it might be suitable for this documentary. And I knew about the documentary anyway that was going to be happening, so I was excited anyway. And I was just expecting to get it on, you know, a little bit of a montage perhaps in the first episode where they're just showing all this stuff that's crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you usually get these things about the northeast, and it's look at all this wasteland crap. Mm. And I was like, oh god. But they went, no, no, I want to use it in a positive kind of frame for the, the opening credits. And the the guys from a uh, really nice lads, the Alchemy. Alchemy uh, Productions sent up this storyboard of all the iconic things and places and architecture of the of the area with me song over the top, and I was like, "Wow, this is mint!" Like I was really happy mm. because it painted us in the light we should be in, not this pants, you know, flat cap whip with everybody's poor type thing. It was like, "Look at yeah. the class stuff we've got." Mm-hmm. And I was really chuffed, and then I watched the documentary, and it was just framed perfectly, and I was mm. I was just really delighted, and I'm still getting messages even though it's like the third, fourth of February. Mm from people who was watching it yesterday or the day mm. before and saying, look, this is class, love the song. Mm. And that's just, again, another little bit of my heart swelling that we're sharing something that's ours with the world. Mm-hmm. And it, it's great, I, I, I thought. I remember when I saw the first episode and I heard that song and I thought, yeah, that song and the opening graphics and the whole thing, like it sets the mood and the aesthetic perfectly. You know, it's not, as you say, it's not flat cut everyone's poor. Nothing about that gentrify Sunderland. You know, not, nothing about this is like, oh, look at this area with poor people in. You know, look look at how look at how the industrial declines devastated another northern city. You know, it's it's very sort of like you know it draws it draws on the the sort of like the cultural heritage of Sunderland in not not a way that it's forcing pride, not a way that it's it's hitting the area. It's just being profound, and I think that's a really sort of like strong like emotional standpoint for the the, the documentary. You know, it's it's showing ultimately the documentary is about a decline, but at the same time. You know the the pride in the area is consistent across it. You know it's a it's a motif that's carried across, and I think from the get go you need a good opening song that does that. And obviously your song's done that to a T. You know it's um. Uh, I was delighted. I was, I, was, I was genuinely delighted. Yeah. You know because these type of things you usually have to pitch for. You you ninety nine percent of the time you get knocked back, but they came to me. Yeah, which is a very rare thing. So I was obviously delighted with that. But one at once once I got the the whole theme in my in my head. Lovely fella called Richard mm-hmm. picked the song. And he's a genius, you know, like I've seen some of his other work he's done and he's just got that knack for picking the right song mm-hmm. for the right times. So I mean, forever in his debt, really. But the song was written about, yes, we don't come from Paris or Milan or London mm-hmm. and we've had a bit of bad luck. But the point is, we don't whinge about it. Like, yeah. we're just you just pick yourself up and you get on yeah. with it because we've always done that and we have to do that. That's how you get on. Mm-hmm. And that's what, obviously, the documentary is about as well. Mm-hmm. It's got that mixture of us kind of getting beaten down, the mm-hmm. team getting, you know, having a terrible couple of seasons, terrible mm-hmm. run, laughing stock, really. 
but still going, stuff views. Yeah. Puff your chest up, we're going to give it another go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're all about. Aye. Was this your, your big break, would you call it? I don't know. I don't really think like that, to be yeah. quite honest with you. What I'm more delighted about, from a, if there's any songwriters listening or any musicians listening, it's actually a song that I really like. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, you do a bit of work, you put a song out, and most of the time you get sick of it. You're like, oh, I can't stand this song. I'm mm. going to, oh, God, I've, I've got to play it because somebody wants to hear it. Mm. And you just get pig sick of playing this song, and mm. you go, oh, I don't even feel that way anymore. Like, I've, that, that situation's gone. It's like a diary. You write your diary, you forget about it. You write a song, you sing it. That emotion's in that frame back in the past now. But I, I, I love this song because I wrote it from the heart about somebody I care deeply about who was a huge inspiration of mine. So every time I get to sing it or every time anybody says they like the song, I feel great. Does it ever feel like surreal to you though, knowing like when you hear your song back, knowing that the amount of people who love this song, does it does it ever feel like, wow, this is this is my stuff? Yeah, it's, 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 it's truly a wonderful, yeah. humbling experience to be quite yeah. honest with you. I've written songs for money. You know, mm. I've, I've sang songs for money that I didn't particularly like, that I didn't really think about you just do mm. it and you go home with a paycheck but this one I deeply care about mm. and to have other people deeply care about it too and say that that speaks to me 100% it's just a truly wonderful feeling it really really mm. is and I don't think I'm ever going to get that ever again fingers crossed I do mm-hmm. but if I can take away this for one winter one Christmas time a song I wrote donkeys ago about my granddad made a lot of people come together and feel good I think I'll die happy to be quite honest with you how does it feel uh, I mean, I was listening to Absolute Radio 90s the other day. Yeah. And it's got, um, oh, what's his name? The West Brom fan. Yeah, Charles. No, 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 the other one. Connor Skinner, Bromley. Frank Skinner. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh, I was listening to that the other day, and they played a segment where one of the presenters sang it. Really? Yeah, there was a segment where one of the presenters no sang way. it, and they put it at half speed. Because yeah. apparently, one of the presenters, all he was talking about was watching this documentary. <laughs> and he played the song at half speed, and I was like, wow, that's. You know, it's crazy that it's got that much of a, a national mainstream. It is nuts. Like, I've had tweets from all sorts of people, people on the BBC. James um, Corden. James Corden, obviously. Yeah. It was quite, quite a nice tweet. I was, was quite pleased with that. Um, he's doing all right, isn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah, like just, just, just various people who, who I've seen on telly or I've heard on the radio or I've seen in a film. They're just getting in touch with us on Twitter because somebody said, oh, that's Marty. Mm-hmm. And then they found us or something. And it's like, wow, these like quite eminent people who I've you know seen in the media for years. Mm-hmm. I've never courted them. They've just kind of got into touch with me. Mm-hmm. It's a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. But like I said, like I've never really been interested in getting huge or famous or being like a mega pop star. No. I just like writing songs. Yeah. It's, it's nice to hear that sort of humble yeah. you know, no, approach. I don't know. I, to be quite honest with you, I don't think I'm cow for it. Like the whole schmoozing and the whole being false and the whole this and that type of lifestyle, mm. I don't like it. And yeah. I've been in those circles and I've had people who've had record deals who've been my friends and you know, I've been to LA and I've been to like New York and I've been in Nashville and stuff and they're not very happy, these people. They're just chasing something that doesn't really exist. So that's why I'm so pleased that this song, which is just such mm-hmm. a real-life piece of me, has touched so many other mm-hmm. people. It really is like a totally, total buzz. Put you on Boxing Day. Yeah, you're on the pitch. How, how does that feel? What was that, like, nervous? No, nah, you okay? No, I was totally fine. Is it the biggest crowd you've ever played in front yeah, of? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, no, I wasn't nervous at all. I was too busy watching the match, actually. It was, yeah. I was, <laughs> it was about 43 minutes in the first half, and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I had a reg downstairs. And uh, Frankie, you know, Frankie and the hot yeah. strings. Uh, Frankie was there waiting for us. And there's the mic, there's this and that. And we had a bit of a run through a couple of days before, and everybody was sound. It sounded sounded good. I was worried it was going to sound really crap because it's such a large stadium, obviously. Oh, and great. Everybody says the speaker system's pants. But we had a run through, and it must have just been like, the tone on the guitar, the tone on my voice wasn't too deep. wasn't like It wasn't like a drum kit in the middle of the pitch or anything. 
Just no. just cut through. Everybody went quiet. I was in my element because I know what I'm doing. I enjoy singing that song. And I'm a massive Sunderland fan. So I was totally, I was just chuffed. I was just had a get big smile on my face. And then it went over like that. And I just walked off and I was like, that was mint. Do you know, like at night, mint. think about it and go, Jesus, that was like really cool. Yeah, of course. Because it, it doesn't yeah. sink in, does it, at the time? No, no, no. I just went, not a pint. Watch that extra bit of the match. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at the time, I just went, oh, cool. That was cool. My wife was like, nice one anyway. Let's start watching the match again. Yeah. You know? yeah. But then I got home and I was like, Christ, that was canny. And then obviously the tweets yeah. flooded in and I've got a video on my Facebook at the minute. Somebody kindly filmed it yeah. and sent it to us. I posted it on my Facebook and that's still getting likes, you mm. know, a month and a bit after. But what's been really funny is there's just loads of mags. Somebody must have posted it on a mag forum or something. All right. So there's tons oh, of mags like chipping it all the time saying <laughs> I'm crap and the team's crap and everything like that. Right. So it's just, it's quite funny. You got a new album coming out? or Yes. So I've been making an album since around about uh, early January with my friend Jordan. Uh, it's a studio in town. So you, listeners might have heard of a band called Field Music. So our studio is on top of Field Music studio. My friend Jordan Miller, it's called Pample Moose. And I've been tracking at my local studio in Silksworth called the Miners Hall Studio, taking it to Jordan Studio in town. And we've got about 12, 13 songs ready to go. But it's just that cycle, you know, you, you, you can't put it out straight away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got to find a, a platform. You've got to, you know, wait these weeks. It's like anything. So what's the process? So record it all, track it all, forget it for about a week, go and listen again, add little bits and, and, and change a few things. And I like to record quickly. I hate doing anything more than one or two takes. If I can't do it in two or three takes, I just I scrap it. I'm not like an overdub kind of loving person. And then mix it down, basically. Mixing processes, you just make something sound better. You put an effect on the vocals. You put an effect on the drums. You just make it sound like a con- mm. consolidated piece. And then you send it away get mastered. And I like to put things on vinyl. I know it's a little bit maybe urban outfitters these days, you know, selling <laughs> vinyl, but... Mm. When I was in my first band 15 years ago, it was our dream to get a seven-inch vinyl out, and I've done that, and my kind of audience responds well to that. So mm-hmm. I always do a limited run. If I can, I like I number them, I sign them, and people, again, it's not just like a Spotify download or iTunes download. People like put them on their wall, and people send us pictures of the album on the wall and stuff, and it's like, you know, it's in their living room. Yeah. And that's such a wonderful feeling as well, especially for a limited run of something. So that's my little ideal. I want to I want to make a set of songs that people go, oh, like that reminds me of a certain time in my life or I want to use that for a wedding song or I want to use this for this type of thing because as a songwriter, that's what you want. You want that longevity. Well, I do anyway, every song. Do you know when you write a song? So say you've had 13 songs there. What's the process for writing one? Do you just wake up at 2 a.m. and go, lyric? Yep. Most of the time, yeah. And then build it from there? So if other songwriters that are listening or creative like writers or anything, I've just got a ton of apps on my phone and it's always next to us and I'll, I'll wake up in the night and I'll go <laughs> and I'll record it on my phone and it, it'll be nothing and I'll listen Ooh. to them maybe a couple of weeks later and I'll go, yeah, it's all right. And I'll go, that, that, those words might fit there. I mean, there's a famous story of the Beatles when they were writing uh, yesterday and Paul McCartney, the demo says, scrambled eggs, how I love, I love your lovely legs because he didn't have the words but he had the melody mm. and that's how a lot of us do it. You come up with a melody mm. or sometimes you come up with the words. Me, I'm usually quite thematic, so I'll have a, I've got a little notebook of all the things I want to write about that mean an awful lot to us, and I've got the concept, but I might not have the tune mm. or the words yet, and I just kind of wait until something just pops out. I think that's, I've found that's the best way of writing a good song that I'm proud of anyway, because I've sat down, it's like writing an essay if you just try and write a song. You write something, you go, oh, I've done that, 
I'm not very pleased with it. But sometimes it works and sometimes it clicks. And with Shipyards, that was an example of where I just had the idea, I had the chords, the words came very easily. And that's what you want, really. We're going to try and see if you singing will work at these <laughs> studios. Um, so thanks, Martin, for coming in. Uh, it's always good to chat, and you'll be welcome back with open arms uh, in the future. Yeah, thank you very much. No, yes, thank you. Real pleasure to be on. And thanks a lot. Alex. No worries, man. It's never a pleasure. And it really isn't, to be fair. Johnny. The feelings mutual, Connor. I'm not locking the bathroom this time, so that's good. Yeah, that was um, a positive change. I don't know about you guys, but uh, you know, I'm going to play Minecraft till four in the morning. Yeah. So a lot of Warcraft or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm going to be a World yeah. of Warcraft fan. Yeah. Cod. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, so what time are we coming around for mine for um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, I've, I've, I've got I've got the Cheetos and I'm going to burn the incense to make the atmosphere if you want uh, I have to see what, uh, whether or not my blow up doll's still up and then I'll oh, Jesus Sean <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Sean cut that little bit out there Sean yeah. <laughs> Sean I Sean I'll I'll PayPal you 50 quid if you leave that in really oh, that's quite an offer that leave it in <laughs> uh, split the profits with Sean 25 yeah. quid okay I'm going to sign this off now yeah this is a disaster <laughs> bad, oh come on <laughs> <laughs>
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.